Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, would you turn to Matthew 27? And let's read this together today. Now, I'm, I might jump to the other Gospels just to tie in a few little tidbits because it's so cool when you take all of the Gospel accounts and you harmonize them, you put them together, you get you know, perspective from one guy over here and one over here, and kind of just broadens the whole details of the day. But if you'll notice when you read the Gospels, do all four of the accounts read exactly the same? No. And if, some, if someone ever says to you, they, they don't read exactly the same, there's contradictions. There's no contradiction. Yeah, just affirmation that it's the truth, because if every one of the four Gospels read exactly the same, what would you, what would you be suspicious of? They got together, right? They made a story. They said, okay, everybody, get your facts straight. And when you tell that, right, make sure we tell you this and this. He died. He, they put him in. No. They don't read the same because it's not a lie. It's just four different accounts. Bringing together these things about this day, Resurrection Sunday. Now, some people don't know the Jewish calendar. They're not familiar with the Jewish, Jewish feast. But is Passover big on the Jewish feast of their of their like remembering of things big time it is in fact it's probably considered one of the highest of high holy holidays for the jews they were told every year to celebrate and remember the day when the lord delivered them from bondage it was a big deal now why was it that they the lord wanted this perpetual statue to remain in israel of a passover and this whole symbology of a Passover lamb. And that lamb's blood, had, it was crucial for the blood to be shed in order for death to pass. Why do you think all oh, that symbolism's there for just coincidence? No, that's to, to, to point us to the fact that Christ would become the Passover lamb. He would be the lamb that would be sacrificed for our sin. So death would pass over us. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is everlasting life through one person, Christ Jesus. He is the one who brought life. Okay, so we're, we're celebrating that today. Christ is risen. Well, I want to show you something Matthew records for us that isn't recorded in Mark's gospel. It's not in Luke's, not in John's. Although there's, you can tell there's some sim similar things, but there's a little specific detail in Matthew's I love. That some people don't know about this particular thing, they, they actually usually jump into the story at chapter 28, the last chapter. And that's not a bad place to read about the resurrection day that we call this special day we celebrate, Resurrection Sunday. We don't call it Easter because it's resurrection. This is the day Christ rose from the dead. But if you, why don't I do this? I'll read you starting at chapter 28, and I reserve the right to go back to chapter 27 just to point you one detail out some people don't pay attention to. It's a detail about this very day, Resurrection Sunday. Now, by the way, in Jewish culture, Passover is one of the highest holy holidays. There's another high holy holiday in Leviticus 23. Starting around verse 10 to 13 there. And it's called the offering of the first fruits. The first fruits were to be given. In the offering of the first fruits, if you follow the Jewish calendar, the, the, you remember there was those two different sects of Sadducees? They were the ones that were sad, you see, because they don't believe in resurrection. And then there was the Pharisees, 
Okay, and they were always arguing. One believes in resurrection, the other ones don't, you know. Even between them, they could never agree on everything. They're always fighting. It's funny how religious people are like that, isn't it? Always fighting, but missing sometimes the very truth in front of their face. Because we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that there is one who is the firstborn, the first fruit from the dead. Who is it? Jesus. And if you didn't know this, the Jews were instructed from the Sabbath of the Passover, marking that day as the high holy holiday, that they were to go to the day after the Passover, and they were to have the priest to wave to take the grain and wave it as an offering. Now, this isn't what's in Numbers 28. That's a different offering, Shabbat. That's um, a different day. Some people always say, that's the, the day. No, no, no. There's, you got to read it, read it carefully in Hebrew. They actually had the high holy day, what they call the wave offering, the first offering of fruits. It took place on the Sunday after the Passover. Every time the sun, you can, you just read it there if you want the extra credit. I'll let you, you know, read about it. But it's a cool thing that the first fruit offering was to be offered up. And this is, by the way, supposed to be one of their big holy holidays, except for these guys, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they couldn't agree. They fought and quibbled over this. And they knew that if they said it was true, that there must be, just like there's something spiritual to this whole day of the Passover and the Passover lamb and the blood and all that symbology there, there must be something about this, um, this first fruits day that the Jews have, this special day that they're supposed to celebrate and bring in the, the, the grain and right, take the bundle and what's the priest supposed to do? Wave it before the Lord. Look at the first fruit. Look at all the fruit, what you've supplied. It was a, a thank offering. It's a, it was supposed to be giving of thanks. You've blessed us. Now, they were an agricultural society, so if you came with your, with your grain and you were, wait, what were you saying? God, you've given me what? This increase, all this, you know, my field has produced all this grain. I, I give it back to you, a wave offering, they called it, just presenting it to him, saying, thank you. Thanks for the abundance, what you've given to us. Now, they were supposed to do this on the first Sunday following the Passover. I'm just throwing that out because I'm going to come back to that when I finish reading you Matthew 28. Let me show you what it says here on this day that we celebrate Resurrection Sunday and see if you can see any kind of symbology that ties together in this story. We read here, verse 1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. So the first day of the week came after the Sabbath, had already passed. And you guys might remember if you read chapter 27 that the girls, they had prepared the spices and stuff for Jesus' burial. But because it was a day of preparation, they weren't allowed coming into the As soon as the Sabbath began, the sun set on the day he was crucified. They weren't allowed to do any work. So they were just antsy. They were waiting. I mean, I bet they were twiddling their thumbs going, oh, oh man, he's in the grave. We're just waiting to... We didn't get to prepare his body for burial. We didn't get to do the whole, you know wrap him with the spices and the cinnamons and the perfumes and the, you know, like they would customarily do. And, and so they were just, they got it all, they had a whole day of waiting, waiting. And finally comes this morn, the day after the Sabbath. We can go get him now. We can prepare his body properly. And so they, they go toward the, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. They came to look at the grave and behold, there was a severe earthquake. 
Now, sometimes the movie guys show an earthquake, and sometimes they, I don't know, they just leave the earthquake out. But it's interesting that on this particular earthquake, that only one stone gets dislodged from all the graves, right? And whose who's particular grave has a grave? Because, oh, by the way, I, I, I won't read it to you, but just humor me if you want. You can look at the end of each of the other Gospels, Gospel Mark, Gospel of Luke, Gospel of John, all those Gospels, and you'll see in one of those a little detail that the women on the way were discussing amongst themselves. Who is going to what? Roll the stone away. How are we going to get the stone? That thing was heavy. And oh yeah, by the way, let me just back up to chapter 27. Just, to just go to the last paragraph of chapter 27. It says, now on the next day, this is verse 62 of Matthew 27. On the next day, which is the, the one after the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. And they said to him, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that that deceiver said, After three days, I am going to what? Rise again. Therefore, Pilate, you should give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples would come and steal him away and say to the people that he has risen from the dead, and this last deception will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, you have your guard, go make it as secure as you know how. Now he's giving them a Roman guard to go. And it says, and they went and they made the grave secure. Along with the guard, they set the seal upon the stone. Now this in Roman culture, when the Romans put a seal, they would take the signet ring of whoever was the authority, like in this case it would be Pilate's signet ring. And he must have taken his ring and said, here, go take care of it. And, and they would take wax. They would pour it into the crack where the, the stone meets up against the, the, the opening of the hole. And they would fill wax in there. And then they press his signet ring into that wax. And make, it would leave an impression of the Roman seal. And when they sealed that, if anyone was to break the seal of that, who, what was the punishment? Death. You are not to mess with the seal. So... You know, here's, I can't believe, these religious guys who say they don't even believe that he's going to rise, they say, well, his disciples might go and steal the body and say he's risen. Oh, and then it would be worse than the first thing. So let us, let us make the, the, the grave site secure. Nobody gets to pass in and steal away this body. We don't want him, you know, go missing. And, and then it'd be, you know, like some big deception. I, by now, Pilate's already, remember, Pilate had already said, I wash my hands of this. I'm not, I, he's innocent. He's done nothing wrong. I can, you know, after the whole interrogation, everything, bring me some water. He says, I'm washing my hands of this stuff. You guys do it. And, and they went and killed Jesus. But he said, this man is innocent. Even the, the centurions that stood down below him as he was hanging on the cross, one of them, the Gospels record for us, that, that centurion said, this man was innocent. He had seen many men die. He said, this guy, he didn't die the death like regular men. That this man was innocent. And he recognized his innocence. The, the two thieves on the cross, when I was pointing this out to one of the gals in the youth group, I said, that one of the thieves, he, he told the other thief, 
as one thief was mocking Jesus. You know, why don't you save us and, and, uh, and you know, save yourself and, and why don't you save us, you know? And, and he, he, he says to the, the one thief says, shut up, man. We, we, we're, getting, we're getting what we deserve. We, we've done wrong. But this man has done what? Nothing wrong. Even, I mean, from Pilate, the ruler, to, to, the, the, to the very soldier crucifying him, to the thieves hanging next to him, the one thief says, he's done, he says, listen, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, he's one of my all-time favorite guys in the whole of the Bible. And you guys that have been around me know why. Because he kind of ruins all those religious rules that people make up today in different religions. See, Jesus said to that guy, he said, today I tell you, this day you shall be with me, what? In paradise. Now, I got a question. If Jesus said that guy's going to be in paradise with him that day, do you think he really went to be in paradise? I mean, for, who, who says yes? Raise your hand. Just quick. Just quick. So he really, that, that thief got to go to be in heaven. No, no, my question is, did he go to church? Did, did he go on missions? Did he, did, he get, did, he get, did he tithe every week? Did he go to Sunday school? Did he get his attendance stars, you know, from church? Or did he get baptized? Oh, oh, oh no, now I'm going to really step on some toes. Because some people say, you know, unless you're baptized into their group, their way, you can't really get into heaven. I got news for you. How about the thief on the cross? When did he get baptized? See, I'm going to tell you the truth. Baptism is for your advantage while you have to live here. And it is something that we're told, if you want to be assured of salvation, it says repent and be what? Be baptized and ye shall be what? Saved. It gets great assurance. But it is not the thing what saves you. I submit to you the very thing that saves you is the thing what that thief did on that cross that day. That day he recognized, I'm guilty of what I've done wrong. He recognized his own sin. He recognized one other thing. The guy next to him, he had no what? Sin. He said, I have sin, you don't. That very recognition, acknowledging his sin, like David did, confessing to the Lord his sin, to a guy who he recognized was the one who was sinless, who came to take away our sin. That's all it took for Jesus to say, you'll be with me today. See, but Christianity's polluted that message. We've made it complicated. You gotta do extra steps. You gotta join our church. You gotta tithe so much of your income. You've gotta go on missions. You gotta memorize so many verses. You got, you know, we, we make up stupid rules of men. When the truth is, all you gotta do is acknowledge you're a sinner and acknowledge he's the Savior who didn't sin. But it says, who became sin for us. In other words, he, he took on his shoulders the weight of all our sins. Because he was the perfect lamb that came to take away the sin. And that's all that man did. He did not go to church. He didn't go on missions things. He didn't serve in his community. He was hanging on a cross dying for his sin. He's being punished right there. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus goes, done. Today you'll be with Now, he's one of my all-time favorites. 
Because, you know, when, when people from different cults show up at my door, they got their little rules that they've been taught. They got to do so many steps to get themselves, you know, in God's grace and that God will be pleased with them. They have to hand out so many brochures or they have to knock on so many doors and have so many slammed in their face. And, and they believe that that is somehow making them accepted by God. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't get you accepted by God. What gets you accepted is confessing you're a sinner and that he's sinless. And that you want his sinlessness to count for your sin. Pay for me too, Lord. Because he's the only one that could do it. And he has done it. And that's what we're celebrating. But to, to make sure that he could cash the check, so to speak, what was required to pay for sin, he had to die and then do this thing what we're studying today. What he had to do three days later? Rise from the dead. So the girls... They're head to the tomb. They're worried who's going to roll away the stone. It doesn't say it here in Matthew, but you read the other Gospels and you can find that out. Who's going to roll away the tomb? That, that, that's that huge stone. And besides that, we just read, there's a seal on it. If you break the seal, what's going to happen to you? And there's a guard, standing guard. Now, by the way, four soldiers, these guys were trained like we would consider seriously Roman Centurion, Green Beret, kind of. These guys were taught to stand like this, um, be just past the fingertips of a man, eight cubits, a, a distance, like they could make a square. And if you entered anywhere in that square, you had four guys to contend with. And every one of them was trained to take you out. If you were in his quadrant, he'd kill you. They divided the square into like four little equal parts. And basically they said, this is my square. You come in this space, I kill you. You step over to his side, he'll kill you. We, we keep you out. And they put those four guys right in front of the tomb. They were to guard this tomb under the Roman rule and authority. And if anyone wants to mess with that seal, break that seal, what were their orders? Kill them. So here's the ladies going to the tomb. And these religious guys have already made a deal with Pilate to put a guard right in the way, to seal the tomb and the stone. They're just thinking of the stone. They don't know about the guard and, and the seal yet. See, these guys came after and asked permission for this. But read on with me. Look at this. As we continue the story in Matthew chapter 28, we see what happens. That It says, when they got to the tomb, behold, this severe earthquake had occurred. And the Lord had descended from heaven. He came and he rolled away the stone. And he sat upon it. <laughs> and his appearance was like lightning. His garments were white as snow. Oh. And the guards. Oh, here's something. What does it say that guards did? The guards shook with, with fear. And became like dead men. You ever been so afraid that you're paralyzed? I mean, they literally, they were, they were frozen. When the Lord appeared, the stone rolled away, they were just like, they hit the ground like dead men. Now look at this. When the angel answered, he said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. But he says to him, he's not here. He is, he's risen. Just as he said, come see the place that, where he was lying. And so, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Behold, he's going on before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they departed quickly 
from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. In 1 Corinthians 15, this great idea of the Jewish holidays, and we, we don't celebrate all the Jewish holidays, but if we did, the wave offering, the offering of the first fruits. What we read, Paul wrote, and ironically, it was Paul who was a Pharisee. And they were kind of against this whole first fruits thing being on Sunday. They had their little arguments with the Sadducees. The Sadducees actually had the day right. They just didn't believe in resurrection. It's so weird. The Pharisees had half of it right, that the resurrection part they believed in. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, but they knew it was supposed to fall on the first day of the week following the Sabbath of the Passover. It, that makes it a Sunday, by the way. So that first, by the way, that's why we celebrate um, church on Sundays in Christianity today. Because we're celebrating on the day that the first fruits were waved before God. The first fruits. Now, wait, wait. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in also which you stand, by which also you're saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, Unless it says you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, that he might appear to Cephas. And then after that he appeared, oh, wait a minute, I forgot to read you this. He appeared to more than what? More than 500 brethren at one time. Most, it says, of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then it says to, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as if it were to one that was untimely born, he appeared to who? To me also. Now who's writing this? Paul. For he says, I am least of, of the apostles, I'm not even fit to be called an apostle, he says, because I have persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me, he says, it didn't prove in vain. I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, he says, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you've believed. Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you amongst you say, there's no resurrection of the dead. That's the Sadducean thought, you know. How, how could you say there's no... By the way, in Corinth, there was Sadducees saying, there's no resurrection. And Paul's going, yes, there is. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching's in vain, and so is your faith, by the way. Moreover, we're even found to be false witnesses of God because we witnessed against God that he, was, that, that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if, in fact... The dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, well, even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, well, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if we have only hoped in Christ in this life, we are men most to be pitied. And I hope what I've shared with you this morning, if you don't believe these things, I always encourage people, you don't have to believe me. 
I, I like to always tell them, let me show you where I found this in the book. If I mention something to you, be like it says there was a group in the, in the New Testament called the Bereans. They actually, whenever they heard these teachings, they went and searched them out to see if they'd be so. Do me a favor, read 1 Corinthians 15. See if it really lines up with what I just taught you, that Christ is indeed the first fruit of the resurrection. See if it, like these little details, if you got time, you know, you enjoy studying the scriptures, read Leviticus 23. Learn about that first fruit, that wave offering, the things. I mean, it's Jewish law, I know. It's the, but see, all Jesus said, all the, what Moses wrote, the law and the, and the commandments, they were all the prophets. They were all to testify of who, he said? Of him. Man, this is just to point us to him. That he would come and fulfill that very first wave offering. That first fruits, it's called. You know, with Christianity, what we have, that hope, Peter said, be ready to give an answer for the hope what lies within you. What's my hope? I got a hope of everlasting life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, so I too will be raised. How about you? Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.